Genesis 1, we'll start at. Genesis 1. Title of the message is You Can Trust This Book. Trust and Obey. Uh, we have a, a spiritual book, not a scientific book. Um, we have uh, biology is the study of living creatures. And the Bible isn't a biology book, but it always confirms scientific biology. And we're going to look at how we can trust God's Word concerning that. Uh, Genesis chapter number 1 is where we'll start. Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse number 24. Bible says, you know this, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God saw that it was good. We know from the first chapter, the first book of the Bible, that animals only reproduce after their kind. You know that. What would a hippopotamus make? Another hippopotamus. It'll never become anything other than a hippo. That's the way God designed it. And any true scientist would quickly recognize that you might, have, you might have a variety of dogs, but at the end of the day, a dog is a dog. It'll never be, a canine will, ever, will never be a feline. They're different kinds. Uh, go to Exodus chapter 21. Exodus 21. Here's something that this world needs to be reminded of almost every day. Exodus chapter number 21. I'll tell you what else God says about living creatures, especially uh, us who are made after His image. Exodus 21. Watch what the law says in verse 22. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. If any mischief follow, then shalt thou give life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. You know what we see in the law? It protected a pregnant woman. Right in the book of the law, the book of Exodus, we see in God's law that if, if men strive, is that what it says? It does. Verse 22, if men strive and hurt a woman with child, it doesn't matter if it's done on purpose. It don't matter if it's done on purpose. If, it's, if, if her fruit depart from her, that means her baby was delivered prematurely. Whether they intended it or not, the law protected, the law was designed to protect a pregnant woman. God said, concerning that unborn baby, that if, if the baby lives, you're going to pay a fine. That's verse 22. According as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. The judges become brought in and make that determination based on what the husband 
So if the baby lived, they'd pay a fine. But if any mischief follow, verse 23, that means death in the context, and thou shalt give life for life. You know what that means? That whether you meant it or not, if men strive and you cause, a, you cause a pregnant woman to prematurely give birth and that baby dies, God says, You're gonna, we're taking your life. Now, we, we read that and we said all of that to say very clearly that from the beginning and, and in the law, a baby in a mama's womb is a life. It's not a fetus, it's a life. How do I know that? Well, because the penalty was life for life. God says a life was taken, and so now your life will be taken. Okay? What did God say concerning biology? <laughs> he said that a woman who is pregnant has a life inside of her. And God made that life. The the Lord told the prophet Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Life for life, an unborn baby is a life. Go to uh, Psalms 139, we'll look at that. Psalms 139. Psalms 139, verse number 13. Psalm 139, verse number 13. Bible says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Praise the Lord. I will praise thee, verse 14. That's a verse where you just want to praise God. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. Modern science can only speak of connective tissue, muscle tissue, nervous tissue, skin tissue, and then that's it. <laughs> but my substance, God, God can go a lot deeper than that. My substance was not hid from thee. God, only God can give the stamp of life. Only God holds the genetic code concerning life. When I was made in secret, that's the formation of you and I in our mother's womb. And modern science can't do that. God alone does that. Uh, I will praise thee. <laughs> I will praise thee. Uh, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, God did something that's hidden from mankind. It's hidden from our eyes. We can't fully comprehend it, but God creates life. He's the life giver. Praise His name for it. Only He can give the stamp of life. And once true biology catches up, they always confirm what the Bible says. It, just, it takes them some time to catch up. But God's word's always been right and always will be right. Okay? Uh, go back to Leviticus chapter number 17. Leviticus 17. How many of you uh, young people tonight uh, 
if you, if you under if you under 12 how many of you know who the first president of the United States was call call that out if you know call it out yeah okay uh, is that right that's right yeah that's right all right George Washington now you know you know how George Washington died he had a he George Washington, he had an upper respiratory infection or he had strep throat. I don't know which one. I'm not a historian, but that's what I've read. And uh, back in George Washington's day, they didn't have antibiotics. They didn't even have effective ways of diagnosing what's wrong with somebody. So you know how they figured they'd help George Washington out? Through bloodletting. And what they did was they drained about half of his blood. They, they wanted to get rid of his bad blood, so they thought. So they drained half of his blood. His blood pressure dropped so low, he went into a stroke, and he died from bloodletting. Now, so I've heard. You have to check my history on that. But I told you that story to read you this verse. Leviticus 17. Look at verse number 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. <laughs> now those back in George Washington's time, they weren't really caught up with what the Bible teaches. So they mistakenly thought that taking blood out would be a good thing to help cure good old George Washington. But it didn't work. It didn't work. And he died because he had the life drained out of him. Life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, George Washington, he was a very deba a devout man, but he was not a devout Christian man. He was the first president of our United States, but you know what he, he was a devout? He was devout over? He was, the, he was a devout deist. He believed in deity. He believed in a creator. I mean, he made a good Freemason. That's what he was. But he was not. He did not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe if he did, he would have read this verse, or maybe if those around him would have read this verse. But the point I'm trying to make tonight is, concerning life, even though we don't have a scientific biology book, this Bible, you can trust this book. When biology catches up with the Bible, they find out, you know what? Draining out somebody's blood isn't a good idea. Life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17. Job 39. Job 39. How many of you uh, young people know what animal has the best eyesight? What animal? What would you guess? Owl. About close. The, the eagle. The eagle. Job 39. Look at Job 39. Verse number 27. Watch what it says. 
Doth the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? She dwelleth and abideth on the rock, upon the crag of the rock in the strong place. Man, that's pretty high up. I mean, wouldn't it be a cool field trip to go up on an eagle's nest? I mean, I wouldn't want an eagle to grab me and take me up there. I don't know how safe I'd feel with that, but it'd be pretty cool to go as high as you can up on an eagle's nest and look down. They make them up pretty high. It's up on the mountain. Man, that's up on high. Watch this. Uh, it, and it says, uh, it says, verse 29, watch what happens from that place. From thence, she seeketh the prey and her eyes behold afar off. Her young ones also suck up blood and where the slain are, there is she. Man, that eagle can mount up high and high and high and it makes its nest up on high and it mounts up on high and it can look down and with its eyesight, it can see what you and I cannot see. They say that the eagle has 20, we have 20-20 vision. They have 20 slash 5 vision. That means they have about almost eight times the vision that a human eye has. They have both monocular and binocular vision. That means they can use their eyes, each eye, independently of each other or at the same time for the same thing. That's the eagle's eye. The eagle also has two focal points. They have one focal point that can go forward and one focal point that can go 45 degrees at an angle. They have a very powerful eyesight. That means they can see straight ahead and they can see to the side. So when they're mounted up on high, they can look down from three miles up and they can see a squirrel. Lunch! And they go and grab it. Now, you know how I figured out a little bit about the eagle's eye? I looked it up. I read about it from what biologists, scientists, whatever you want to call them, research. You know, there's people that study and dedicate their lives to learning about the eagle. And the more they study the eagle, they, find, they found out just how powerful that eagle's eye is. Man, if you read Job 39, you know what you would come away with? The eagle has some real powerful vision because they're mounting up on high and they can see where their prey is. Wow. And you know what else you learn about the eagle in Job 39? It says, the last verse, her young ones also suck up blood and where the slain are. From up on high, they can see where the slain are. They can see a dead deer, a dead opossum, <laughs> a, de a dead whatever, and they can come down and they're, that, you guess who you're going to find. You got, you got roadkill, you're going to find an eagle there. From way, way up on high, where the slain are, they are. 
they'll be there. That's the eagle. Her young ones also suck up blood and where the slain are, there is she. From thence she seeketh the prey and her eyes behold afar off. That'd be a good study, I think, for you young, young ones. Study about the eagle. There's some homework for you. Study about the eagle's eye. Very, very intricate. Very intricate. You can trust God's Word. Psalms 104. How many have been scuba diving? No one's been scuba diving? Okay. Try that sometime. It's a little scary, but I think you enjoy it. Psalm 104. Watch what it says in verse number 25. The Bible says, So is this great and wide sea wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. God created the ocean, and He created that ocean full of life. And you and I can read the Bible and we can trust that God has innumerable creeping, just innumerable great beasts down there. We can read that and believe it. But, you know, before I would say the late 1800s, the Challenger and all these voyages where they really started to discover what was under there, people really didn't know. So we have all of this knowledge that we've gained from scientific research that really just confirmed this verse, Psalm 104, 25, that there are innumerable things down there. There's so much color down there. There's so many different varieties of fish. And it goes real, real deep. How deep do you think you can go in the ocean? I, I, I don't think, I've been as deep as, I think it was they took us 40 feet under and I was scared never did it before you can't go much I don't know how deep you can go as a human but I, I'm going to guess it ain't much further than 40 foot without what do you think is going to happen to you at 100 feet it's going to be too much what pressure, pressure. what happened to that submarine then they made that submarine, right? And they sent it down. How many feet did it go down? 300 foot? I don't, I don't know how many. Anybody know? It went to 600 foot. And then what happened? Because of what? Pressure. You know God made fish smaller than us that can withstand that pressure? Did you ever think about that? Well, we are tonight. <laughs> That's pretty cool. God... Man made a submarine that's going to go, it didn't work. God made a fish that can withstand that pressure. All the way, the wonders of the deep. Beautiful, beautiful. I'd rather look at the pictures than go under there myself, but, you know, some enjoy, enjoy that type of thing. And uh, I went on a submarine ride once. Didn't we do that? In Hawaii, they kind of made us thought we were actually like oceanographers. You know, you 
they, you pay the big money, you do the thing, and they take you down. It probably wasn't that far at all. They just make you think like you're, yeah. <laughs> but, but the idea is, God, if you just read his word, you know it's true. You know it's true. Wonders of the deep. Um, ocean is filled with fish. They can live that, that deep. All right, Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, look at verse number 6. All right, it's another one, you young people. We're going to ask you some questions, see if you can answer it. If you get the right answer, I'll know you're paying attention. All right, you ready? You ready? All right, the verse number 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide oversee, which having no guide overseer or ruler provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man. Okay, here's the question, young people. What type of ant are we dealing with? A worker a working ant very good ding 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 you won the first prize we're talking about a worker ant worker ants are what type of ants male or female female, female. very good were you going to say female that's you're right you are right you know why you're right because the bible said that in verse number six and verse number eight Provided her ways, consider her ways, provideth her meat, gathereth her food in the harvest. That's the worker ant. It's a female ant. Worker ants are female ants. And when scientists that studied ants finally caught up with the Bible, you know what they concluded? The same thing that the Bible told us. What else do we know about worker ants? They don't sleep a lot. Because they're busy working. Now, we'll say the bad word together. Work. <laughs> Everybody 13 and under, repeat after me. Work. It's not a bad thing. Don't cry about it. Don't be a sluggard. Go, go work. Go work. So I got over a long time ago, people calling me mean because you make people work too hard. I got over that years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Work. Work works good for you. Keeps you busy. Uh, gives you something productive to work toward. It keeps you out of trouble. And uh, you actually learn some skills. You get upset at somebody, you can just go work. <laughs> I mean, you can. That's a good thing. God wants men to work and tire themselves out and get over their problems uh, by fixing something and, and, and working. And so that's a, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay, go to Proverbs 25. We'll talk about the keto diet. Pro, Proverbs 25. This one's... You didn't know the keto diet was in the Bible, did you? Yeah, yeah. Go to Proverbs 25. 
Proverbs 25, and we're going to learn that too much sweet stuff is not good for you. How do you know that? Well, I didn't go and buy the keto diet book. I read Proverbs. Proverbs 25, watch what it says in verse number 27. It is not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. That's a great contrast there. But the Bible tells us you eat too much honey. You eat too much sweet stuff. You eat too much sugar. It's not good for a man. The same way it's not good for us to search our own glory. You search your glory, search your glory, search your glory. You keep doing that, Lord. It's not good for you. You keep eating sugar, you keep eating honey, you keep eating the sweet, 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 sweet. It ain't good for you. It's not good for you. So scientists have figured out, man, you, why, do, why, why do people have excessive weight gain? Why do people have type 2 diabetes? Why, do people have, are, why are people getting um, acne and poor skin? And why do people have poor energy levels? And you know what a lot of them link it to? Sugar. Too much sugar. You don't, believe, you, don't, you don't believe me. If you don't believe me, you don't believe the Bible. You try it out. If, you're, if you have a diet that's mostly sugar, cut half of that sugar out. And the Bible will tell you, you'll have better energy. You'll have clearer skin complexion. Why? Because too much sugar ain't good for you. See that? Yeah. It's, Eric's been reading Proverbs, and he's, 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 he's got the energy of a 20-year-old, you know. It's like, once, once the nutritionalists caught up with Proverbs, they figured out what God's been saying all along. You can't eat too much sweet stuff. You've got to have it in moderation. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. Ecclesiastes 12. What is your body made of? Here's the next question, young people. What's your body made of? Flesh. Nope. <laughs> what else? Water. Nope. Water. Nope. Yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> ultimately, those other answers are right, but ultimately, watch what it says in, in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So dust, we are just made of dust, really. And death, when your spirit leaves your body, your soul leaves your body, what's left, it's going to end up turning into dust. Now, this should really clear up any thought of pride in our lives. That proverb we just read about man glory and glory. I mean, you read Ecclesiastes 12, you just realize, I really shouldn't be bragging about myself. All I am is a speck of dust. Now, when you die, where's your spirit go? Young people. Heaven Not your spirit. Read the verse. Proverbs 12, verse 7. Look at the verse. Where's your spirit go? Spirit shall return unto God. Your spirit's going to go back to God. 
Your body's going to go in the ground. And I just don't know why people fear man. You better fear God. He made you. He made you. And someday He's going to stop your breath and you're going to return to dust. That's going to be your body. Now, isn't that wonderful? The wonderful design of God. Here's a science experiment. I want you to go out and get a piece of dust and I want you to make a person. Ah, can't. Can't do it. Guess who can do it? That'd be God. God can do it. Now, isn't that miraculous? But wait, there's more. Not only, not only are you going to return to dust, but God is going to take, if you're saved, He's going to take your body and He's going to make it a glorified body. He's going to turn it into something more glorious than any speck of dust can be. Now, do you believe God's going to do that? I do. I do. Um, but the dust returns to the earth. Um, this is the idea behind the tradition of a Christian burial. It returns the body back into the earth from whence it came. Now, those that cremate, we're not going to get into all this tonight. I'll just mention a few things. Cremation, if someone is cremated, go, body goes back, you, I mean, you can see the dust right away. Now, if that person's a Christian, just because they were cremated, you think that's going to stop God from taking their body and making it glory? No, it's not. But traditionally, Christians have done a burial in the ground because it's picturing that returning back to the ground. So that's that. That's that. Um, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll look at something else on this thought. Concerning life, you can trust God's book. You can trust it. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. All right, verse number 39. I don't know why these evolutionary uh, weirdos can't figure out this simple stuff that all Christians can figure out. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. Things that are different aren't the same. But there is one kind of flesh of man, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. A bird isn't going to become a fish. A fish isn't going to become cattle. Cattle isn't going to become a man. Why? Because all flesh is not what? Same. It's not the same. It's different. The body of a worm is not the same as the body of a man. Now, you know what is totally duped? The evolution, the evolutionist. You know what's totally duped them? You got an egg. You got a caterpillar. You got a chrysalis. And then you got a butterfly. Well, they're all different. Nope, they're the same. Because when they study that under a microscope, you know what they find out? The egg, same DNA as the caterpillar, same DNA as the chrysalis, same DNA as the butterfly. How about that? 
It's totally duped, the evolutionists. And you have an ugly egg and an ugly, creepy, crawling caterpillar and an ugly, mushy thing hanging there and then all of a sudden you have a beautiful butterfly. DNA is the same in all four stages. Why? Because God is the master and miraculous designer. And you know what he has with us? An ugly body that's, as same, that's the same corruption, the same corrupt body after we get saved. It's, it's, it's flesh, our flesh is as grass, it's sinful. Same DNA, it's ugly. And you know what's going to happen after we die? The same flesh is going to be the same thing that goes in the ground and turns to dust. But praise God, He can take a saved man and He can give them a glorified, beautiful body, more beautiful than any monarch butterfly you can imagine. You know who does that? God does that. That's something to jump up and down. That's, you can get Pentecostal over that thing. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's something to shout about. Man, alive. Um, the false theory of evolution, they rely on DNA mutations to bring about change. Well, in that butterfly, there is no DNA mutations. It's the same. Praise His name. 1 Corinthians 15, we know we talk, it's talking about the resurrection of the dead. All flesh is not the same, and so that's, that's the tie-in there. We won't do a deep dive on the resurrection of the dead. Just wanted to show you, uh, he's talking about God's, God's control and design over living things. Go to Acts 17, and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll do this as the last one, and hopefully this don't go south, but we're, we're living in a... This is a racial month. This is a racial month. They call it Black History Month. Well, that's racial. That's racial. You know, and of course you say that to a black or brown person that's bought into the, you know, the BLM movement and all the other stuff around it, they'll say, no, it's racial for you to say that that's racial. All the other months are white history months. Oh, they are? I didn't know that. Apparently they are. You, you gave us February. It's got the shortest amount of days. And then now, now all the races are fighting about what month are you going to get? Because you've got to have your own month as your race, you know. The Spanish, I think, get September. Where are we, the Italians don't get nothing. What do we get? <laughs> Was it May? Cinco de Mayo. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> What's up? What is up with races having to get their own month? Oh, we got a campaign for our own month. When is it going to... Okay, so let's see what the Bible says before we end up continuing to divide ourselves in our, in our culture and our nation. Acts chapter number 17. Look at verse number 26. God, God sorted this all out. Acts 17, verse 26. And God said this, and hath made of one blood all nations of men 
for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Do you know what we should have? A one blood year, a one blood month, a one blood week, a one blood day. We are all of the same race. We can all trace our lineage back to Adam and Eve. We're one blood. That black and brown man is just as sinful as the yellow oriental. And the yellow oriental is just as sinful as the tan Italian and Mexican. We're all one blood sinners with ugly flesh. We might have more uh, melanin in our skin than someone else. All that is is, is is coloring, just different skin coloring called melanin or melatonin. Or... I better stick to the Bible and get out of trying to figure out all that science stuff. But I do know this, the real smart guys, when they finally catch up with the Bible, they realize, you know what? What I just proved through true operational science, what I just proved the Bible said all along. Now, we don't have a scientific textbook, but what we do have is a book that always confirms true operational science, not the falsely so-called theories, by the way. We can all trace our bloodline back to Adam. The book of Malachi says, Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Concerning that nation, they were not to claim, look, no ethnic group should dare claim racial preeminence over another. All of it, all of it's wrong. We are one blood, one blood. And that means we are all equally sinners and we can all equally come to God and repent and we can trust Him and we can all equally be put and placed into His family. And you know what we've got? A diversity of ethnic groups. A Southerner, Northerner, a West Coast, East Coast. Look, it don't matter. One blood. One blood. So that, there's some verses there that I think can help us just confirm what we've already believed. One, we can trust this book. And God, biology, the study of living organisms, God figured it all out because He created it all. 